0: Look what he says in verse 13. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? Means his body did not come back from the dead. In verse 14, and if Christ be not risen, that's the body, the body. Now look what he says in verse 15, where he says, Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ. What did he raise up? The body. Now, when the body came back from the dead, the Bible says that Christ was quickened by the Spirit. Where does it say that? Christ was quickened by the Spirit. All right, it's in Peter. Look at the Scripture. You need to see this because it's good. Chapter 3, verse 18. All right. Just look over there at this verse real quick. In 1 Peter chapter 3, look in verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Now, since um, Christ has died, has there been a lot of people since Christ has died that have committed a lot of sins? How long ago has that been? 2,000 years. And how many times has he died? Once. So he must have paid for all the sins that very first time. It was the only time. Now get the last last part of the verse. Hath once suffered for the just for the unjust. The just, that was him. The unjust, that was us. So there's substitution. The just for the unjust. Now get the rest part of the verse. That he might bring us to God. Now why did he do everything that he did? That he might bring us to God. And then the next part of it, being put to death in the what? That's the body. Quickened by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit quickened His body, made it alive. Now, the same thing is found in the book of Romans in chapter 8 when He says, By the Holy Spirit that dwells in us will quicken our mortal bodies. The Holy Spirit's going to do that. See, every one of us have the Holy Spirit living within us. And He's one of these days going to quicken our bodies But you see, in Ephesians in chapter 2, he says that you were dead in trespasses and sin, means you were separated from God because of sin. Hath quickened us, made us alive. And so your spirit is now alive with the Lord, and your soul has been saved, washed white as snow, but your body has not yet been touched. Your body is the one that you got when you were born into this world, and it's gonna keep on getting older, and it's gonna die one day. God didn't do anything for the body. You're just living in that body until you get your new one. Now, I used to ask people, I said, how many want your new body? Everybody raised their hand. I said, now you have to die to get it. Well, I could wait a little while longer. Now, we want to get this new body, right? I mean, a super body. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Look in the mirror and not lose any more hair. I have wondered if I'm going to get a full head of hair back out. You don't have to worry about it. But our brother Steve back there, he, he, might, he might just have a full head of hair, too. Have you ever had a full head of hair? <laughs> when he was born. <laughs> anyway, you're quickened by the Spirit. Now, go back to the book of 1 Corinthians and notice. You'll notice in verse 16, For if the dead rise not, what doesn't rise? Well, that's the body. Then is Christ not raised? What the, That's the body. And if Christ be not raised, that means no body. Your faith is in vain. You're yet in your sins. So then he makes the statement that, in verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead. How do we know he rose from the dead? He produced a body. That's what everybody saw. That was what they were witnesses of. They saw the body. Now notice this. He says there in the last part of verse 21, he says, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. And he's talking about, yes, Christ was the first fruit to come back again from the dead under God's own power. You see, man can't do this. We die, we stay dead unless God does something, intervenes. And even the people that were alive when Christ was here and he raised some from the dead, they had to die again. But now notice, in verse 22, For as in Adam all die. What dies? The all the people who live in these physical bodies, born into this world, you're going to die. But in Christ all shall be made alive. So God is going to take all of those who trust in Christ and going to give you a new body that will not die. It means you'll never be separated from that body. You'll always have... A glorified body. The Bible calls it a spirit body. Not a spiritual body, but a spirit body. Well, I should say a spiritual body, not a spirit body. You're going to get this new body. And that's mentioned later on in this chapter. Now, look there in verse 26. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Death of the body. You see, that's the last thing we're waiting on. That's the only thing that's keeping you here is you're still alive. If you die, you can't stay here. Now, the moment you die, which could be at any moment, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I used to think that I would be still in my body, you know, laying in the grave, and all of a sudden, here comes the worms, and you're laying there, and they start eating up your body. Wouldn't that be a terrible way to go? Aren't you glad you're not going to be in that body while it's in that casket? And you're alive, but the body's dead. Well, <laughs> I can imagine all kinds of things that I don't like. I'm so glad God explains it in his word. I'm not there. I'm not there. This is the only thing that scares me about being cremated. My wife wants to cremate me. And I want to make sure that I'm not in using my body, that I'm totally done with it. Wouldn't it be a shame to get ready to put you into the fire and Honey, I'm still here. I just can't move. Don't do it. Honey, don't I said, Oh, that's warm. <laughs> I was, and I'll tell you this, because it's the truth. I was sitting with my sister, Annette. Annette was dying. She's in the hospital. I've already done sit for about a week, and I, I'm so tired. And where, you know, going to the hospital and sitting and waiting so like can wear you out. Well, I was worn out. But Annette was already, like, in a coma. She, she was gone. You know, she was... We're just waiting for the moment, and uh, she's going to be taken out of here. So I told everybody, I'll, I'll, I'll sit with her tonight. So I'm sitting up against the wall, and behind me there's a television up there, and then in the bed. And they had the frames up on the side of her and so forth. So I, I'm sitting there. So I, I fall asleep. Now, Net. she hasn't done anything, said anything, she so hasn't, you know, uh, no response or anything like that. So I, I fell asleep. And while I'm sleeping, I heard Yankee. Yankee, I was scared to open my eyes because I knew nobody was in that room but me and Ned. And she says, Yankee, I opened my eyes and you wouldn't believe it. There's Ned, she had sat up in bed. She's looking forward at me and her mind is as clear as a bell. She's looking right at me and she says, Yankee. I says, Ned. She says, Get me out of here. I says, Ned, I can't do that. Get these things down and get me out of here now. I says, Ned, I can't do that. I hated to say, you're dying. She says, get me out of here. I says, why? She says, because the place is on fire. And I thought, "Oh my stars. And I, I thought I led her to the Lord. And these are her dying comments. And she sees fire. Now, this is the last thing I wanted to hear. There's fire. The place is on fire. I says, "Net, there is no fire." She says, "Yes, there is." I said, "Where?" She says, "Right there." And she pointed to the TV. And the TV had a fire on. They had a fire alarm. <laughs> there was smoke and fire all over the place. I says, "Net, that's on TV." And I walked over and I comforted her and laid her back down. And she went back to sleep. We took her to our house and a couple of days later, you know, she passed away. Scared me to death. And I don't even believe in haints. But you know that can give you a <laughs> go to bed. You ever think there was ghost? You ever have somebody scare you with the boogeyman? Now remember, there's some things that are not true. When you die, you don't stay around here as a ghost. And you'll have some people talk about their houses haunted and people that used to live here and their ghosts are still here. Now, devils can accomplish an awful lot and deceive a lot and even talk a lot. But when you leave your body, you're gone. Nobody can bring you back. You have this body that you live. So in verse 35, but some say, how are the dead raised up? Talking about what bodies will they have when you come back? With what body do they come? He says, the one that you plant is not necessarily the one that you get back. Some people's bodies are cremated. And some people are eaten up by alligators. Some missionaries have been eaten up by cannibals. Wouldn't you like to be... Eaten by cannibals, wouldn't it be wonderful? I mean, how would you feel if there you are and they put you in a pot and they slowly turn up the water and they put the fire under there and it's getting warmer and warmer and warmer. Have you ever pictured yourself in something like that? Thinking, now how much of this can I take? Would you ask the Lord, Lord, take me off? Oh, that hot. Oh, that's hot. Ooh, that's hot. and water starts to bubbling. Isn't it terrible to think about how you could how many ways there are to die? Now I've always thought about when I die, I'm gonna die by drowning. I don't know why, it's just that I've had so many incidents where I've been underwater (laughs) and I didn't think I'd ever get back up. So even to this day, I never take a bath. (laughs) I'm lying, I'm lying, I'm lying. lying. It's only a sponge bath. (laughs) Nobody wants to die because there's so many ways that you can die and be in pain. And nobody wants to go through the pain. But we really don't know how we're going to die we just know that if the Lord tarries, we're going to. But the Bible says we, we are not to fear, not to be afraid. Don't worry about it. Uh, there's a song that they wrote called Dying Grace, a grace I've not needed before. In other words, God has given you grace to face a lot of things in life. But there's a grace that you've never needed before, and God can give you grace at that time. And uh, when Dr. Curtis Hudson was dying of cancer, we had him come to Northside north side and he got up there and he preached a great sermon, but we had somebody sing a song. What was the name of that song? Do you remember? That was the song. It was something about dying grace. Grace I've never needed before. And uh, he loved that song. And so he wanted. To, he said, now when I die, I want that song sung at my funeral. So anyway, they got the song to him. And, and that was the song that was sung at his funeral. Because we know that we're, we're going to, but it's not something we're supposed to be afraid of. But it's hard when it's the last great enemy of man is death. And it's going to be destroyed. And so that means that you will get a new body and never have to worry about death ever again. No more death. you read the book of Revelation and talk about no more sin, no more pain, no more death. Just no more of that. And so when you get down to here, you see there in verse 37. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may be it'll be a body, and everything that God has made has a body, and there's a body is a seed that's planted, and God is able to when it die get another body from it. God is able to do that. How we can plant seeds in the ground and it dies, and then next thing you know you got a stock of corn and all the kernels are on it. That's a miracle to me, and yet we get to see this little miracle of. Trees that look like they're totally dead, but in the springtime, when it's the sun and the weather's right and the water's right, they come to life. We get to experience spring, coming back to life. Every year we get to see that. It's a visible thing that we can see, but we cannot always explain it. And so he goes through here, look in verse 40. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. The Bible says down in verse 44, it is sown a natural body it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So he goes on to it and explains all of this. Then he gets down here to verse 50. Now when you get to verse 50 he says, now this I say brethren that flesh and blood that's body, that's not soul, that's not spirit. Flesh and body cannot inherit the kingdom of God because the body has not been born of God. You see When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were born again, born from above. So don't worry about your soul and your spirit. Your soul has been saved forever. Wash white as snow. But you got a problem with the body because the sinful nature is in the members, in your physical body. And one of these days we'll get rid of the body and that body of that old sinful nature will be gone. It will not have any power or domination over us anymore. But the flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So therefore, God will have to change the body and give us a new body. So he now explains what's going to take place in the future. What about those people who have already died and they've gone to be with the Lord and their bodies are in the graves or who knows where? God doesn't have to worry about the body that's lost. Somebody ate and became a body of you know ten cannibals, or you don't have to worry about that and some a bunch of alligators that shared on your body, and they appreciate that donation. But you have the Lord who's able to plant a seed into the earth and get another body back. Now look what he says. Behold, I show you a mystery. In other words, now this is a truth that is now revealed for the first time. You will not find it anywhere else in Scripture before this truth is revealed right here. A mystery means it is a truth hidden in times past but now revealed for the first time. We shall not all sleep. What do you think that means? We shall not all die. We will not all die. Well, everybody sins, so everybody ought to die. Well, there is appointed unto every man once to die. And after this, the judgment. But there are some people that don't have to worry about the judgment because we trust in Christ as our Savior. And now he's talking about we shall not all sleep. It means we'll not all physically die. So he says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So the bodies that are in the grave, the Bible says, they are corrupted. They will be made incorruptible. And then there's those people who are still alive, and we have these mortal bodies. Mortal means that we're subject to death. Only God is immortal. We are not. So our bodies are going to die if God should it. So he says these bodies will have to be changed. And this mortal will put on immortality. And the corruptible bodies, those that have already died and cremated, whatever, will be made incorruptible. So he says in verse 52, I wonder how long it'll take. And my daughter emailed me the other day. She says, Dad, why does it say they shall be, the dead shall rise first? I said, honey, let's talk about the Presbyterians. <laughs> no. I said, the bodies are already in the grave. And so when the Lord comes back, it could be, you know, their bodies raised from the dead and the Lord allows the bodies and the spirits and so forth to get back together. But then, is it going to happen everything so fast? In a moment, the twinkling of an eye. Or is the twinkling of an eye a reference to our bodies that are alive and then we will be changed? So, is it how fast the bodies are going to come out of the grave? Or is it how fast the bodies that are alive... Will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds. So I would hope that it would give us just enough time. Because otherwise, if I'm gonna hear the blowing of the trumpet, it can't happen in the twinkling of an eye, unless it's oh, that's gonna be fast. It'll all be over. Why let me hear it? I want to be able to, when the rapture takes place, to hear the trumpet, see the dead rise, knowing that I'm next. And in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, our body will be changed that quick. And then we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So I don't think it's a long, drawn-out process for our bodies to be put on immortality. I don't know how God's going to do it all. I don't know how fast it's going to be. But look what he says. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. But will we hear it? I hope so. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. That's what happens first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Those dead bodies are going to come up. And we shall be changed. That's our bodies that we're now living in. If the rapture took place right now, the Lord came back right now. We who have trusted Christ as our Savior, our bodies are going to be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye. And then we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now. This is why he says in verse 53, for this corruptible, that's the bodies that are already corrupted, will put on incorruption. This mortal, those that are alive, will put on immortality. But you notice that verse 52 is talking about the body. And verse 53 is talking about the body. And verse 54 is talking about the body. So when this corruptible shall put on corruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass that sin. So this has happened and fulfills the scripture when the rapture takes place. So now verse 58. Therefore, because all this is true, and you're going to live again. So when you die, or how you die, is not that important. It's that these bodies are going to come back again. Or we may be alive when the Lord comes back and we'll be changed in a moment, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. There is life after death. That's what all this is telling us. And if all of this is true, and how do we have any hope that this is true? Because Jesus Christ came back from the dead. And he was seen, eyewitnesses. Do you think if you were one of the apostles and you thought this was just a big old hoax and he really didn't come back from the dead, why would they be convinced by many infallible proofs for 40 days? They must have been so convinced that it was true they were willing to go into all the world and die for this cause. Would you knowingly, was willingly, die for something you knew that really wasn't true if it was just a hoax I'd say hey I'm out of here it's alright for you know for Bob Gilbert I mean but I'm gone he's a marine he could take this I can't handle this but he says therefore my beloved brethren be ye steadfast why because everything he said it's true unmovable don't let anything shake you in your faith you know what you believe you know why you believe it don't let any doubts come into your mind that serving the God is not worth it. It is worth it. Your faith is not in vain. Your preaching is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. Living for the Lord, it's not in vain. So he says, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So what must God want us to do because of these great truths? Be abounding in the work of the Lord. And every one of us, what we do, how we live, the husband that you are, or the wife that you are, the children that we are, everything about us, you're in the work of the Lord. Now, what kind of work are you doing? That's why there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ, to reward us for what we've done. So he says, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not in vain. So that's why we know and believe and that's why you can take this, the 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, one little old chapter. It's the resurrection chapter, but the resurrection of not just his body, the promise of the resurrection of our bodies and those who have already gone to sleep, those who have already died in the Lord. So we're going to do funerals one of these days around here. If God should tear a lot of us are going to go by the way of the grave. Aren't we? Isn't that a Terrible thought? We'd rather the rapture take place. Right? I agree. I agree with you. Now, I have to stay alive long enough to bear the rest of you. Look at Pierre. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from the Lord. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And the only way we can go to heaven is we got to get this here debt paid. But God doesn't want your life to pay for this. Good works doesn't pay for it. Money doesn't pay for it. Well, what does God want? Uh, You have to die. Well, then you'll be eternally separated from the Lord. Yeah, I know. That's why you have no hope, no chance. There's nothing you can do. You cannot deliver yourself from this dilemma. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So what did he do? He came into this world and took upon himself. Because God can't die. So God took upon flesh and was born into this world and lived a perfect life so he's not guilty. So he took our sins and paid for our sins because he didn't have anything to pay for himself. But why did he do that? Because God so loved the world. And so Christ paid for our sins, came back from the dead, and said all he wanted us to do is believe he did it for us. So when you believe he did this for you, he puts this payment to your account, and he saves your soul. Your body has not yet been saved. It has not been redeemed yet. One day, its body is going to be changed, taken out of here. We're going to get a new body that goes with our new birth. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed, eyes closed, and no one looking around. If you're here tonight, and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Remember, I don't know your heart. I don't know really if all of you in here have trusted the Lord. I'd like to believe so, but I really don't know. I'm not God. I don't know your mind. But God does. He knows if you believe he did this for you, if you believe it. But if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, don't you think the older we get, the more important this is? Make sure Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? If you haven't, would you trust Him right now? Just in your own mind, just between you and the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe you died on that cross and paid for my sins. And I'm going to trust you right now as my Savior. And friend, if you'll do that, God will never cast you out. He'll never lose you. You can know that when you leave, I'm going to heaven. Because tonight I trusted the Lord as my Savior. Is there anyone at all? Just say, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior tonight. Just slip you in it very quickly and put it right back down. Anyone at all. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to sing 15 verses of just as I am. But right where you are. I just ask because I want to know. If you're watching by internet. Right on the screen it says yes I'll trust Christ as my Savior. If I've made sense to you. The gospel makes sense to you. You know and understand that a person would have to be a fool. To turn down a free gift. I want you to be wise. Would you make the most important decision you could ever make in your life? Would you right now trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for this time together. Bless each one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.